Good morning and welcome to another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Welcome back, listeners. RVA Dirt's in the house with some special guests. We got a whole bunch of y'all. Yeah, we do. We we got a packed house it's today, and I'm really house. excited. I guess, was it two Thursdays ago now I came and spoke with this amazing group. It's the Democracy Summer Pack, right? Um, mm-hmm. Fellowship. I'm going to, as we like to do, we're going to let them introduce themselves because everybody should control their own narrative. Yes. Um, and so let's go around the table, introduce yourselves, your age, your school, and uh, what got you involved in this this summer, y'all? Okay. Um, my name is Angel Rather. I'm 18. I'm going to Old Dominion University in the Ooh. fall. And um, I would say one of the reasons why uh, I applied to be in the fellowship with Democracy Summer is because I feel like I'm slowly becoming more and more of an activist for criminal justice and social justice and human rights. Okay. So it was like a perfect opportunity to explore broad ideas in that way. Okay, girl. <laughs> okay. Um, hello, I'm Nayla Benet Chambers. Nayla is my first name. <laughs> I'm 19. I'm going to University of Maryland, Baltimore in the fall. Alright. Um, what got me into Democracy Summer is, well, Angel's the one who told me about it in the first place, but like her, I'm very into activism, but I also wanted to find a way to connect that to the political spectrum as well and see what I would like and dislike, but activism is my main focus. Um, my name is Michael Jackson III, and um, I'm 15 years old. I'm going to James River High School next year. Uh, what really got me into Democracy Summer is that I've always been involved with politics, but never volunteering or doing the groundwork, and I thought this was a perfect opportunity. Awesome, awesome. Hi, I'm Maeve Hall. Uh, I'm going to University of Richmond this fall, and I got involved with Democracy Summer because I was really involved in Young Dems at my high school, but I really just wanted to like learn more about how to actually apply that in like, local campaigns and get some of that knowledge. And um, I also, like Angel said, really have enjoyed learning about a broad range of issues from like criminal justice to like, environmentalism, so it's been really awesome. All right. And my name's Andriana Taratsis. I'm 18. I'm going to Carleton College in the fall, and um, I'm just really passionate about political issues and Maeve told us about this program and um, it was just a good way to basically be productive about what I care about instead of sitting at home and doing nothing yes. and just being angry all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's active youngins. I love it. <laughs> I know, right? This so is we exciting. can retire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, seriously, our goal and is always to pass the torch at some point. We're not those pride out of our cold dead hands folks. No, <laughs> actually our goal is to not need people like us at all because the general public is that involved in their local government. Mm-hmm. that you don't have to have somebody doing transparency uh, yep. checks and tweeting or teaching at you about in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. Like finding you just out know. the dirt, tweeting it because we all will know it because our local media will actually publish the real oh, news. Oh, y- you mean do their jobs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this program that you guys are in and what it uh, teaches you and what have you been doing this summer? Mm-hmm. So basically, Democracy Summer from my perspective, has been a way for us to meet 
other constituents who feel the same way as us to meet people who represent us and to meet even the highest level. So we haven't met them. But like we've met Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, but we kind of shut see, up. I see. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was we haven't met and we met AOC. No. Oh, yeah. Wow. But um, basically, we kind of see how the federal level trickles down from local to like from state to local, and we see the effects. Like even the smallest things do affect us in the long run. And yeah. then we also see how we can speak our voices, make them heard, and affect it to trickle up instead of trickling down. Yeah, it's also been a really great learning opportunity. I mean, we've had so many speakers come in and tell us about Richmond-based initiatives that I had no idea were even going on. So it's been a really great way to learn about other ways to get involved beyond just, you know, democratic organizations necessarily. I also feel like you learn a lot of a lot of the logistics about campaign work. Um, mm, we work with mm-hmm. a lot of local campaigns that are based in Richmond, like people who are running for the House of Delegates and things like that. And, you know, we get to firsthand on the ground grassroots experience with canvassing, um, mm, just mm, handing out mm, literature, phone mm. making. Oh, it's it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> canvassing so, in this heat. Yes, I know. exactly, exactly. So I think that's like just having experiences and it's it's awesome. Yeah, and we've actually been able to go up to D.C. like okay. twice. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. technically three if three. you count going through it to get to Maryland. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, that's been really awesome because we got to choose like our own bills that we wanted to advocate for and kind of lobby for on Capitol Hill. Okay. Okay. As just like our own constituents, not as a part of Democracy Summer. But that was really awesome. So we got to like set up meetings with um, like our representatives and representatives from Virginia and all across the country to talk about bills that were important to us. Uh, and so I think that was just a really empowering experience all- overall because it really reminds you that like our representatives work for us. The skill sets you learn from emailing representatives and learning how am I going to turn their facts about their state or whatever they represent to make sure that they vote for this bill and to make sure that it makes them think, okay, what is the cons of me not doing this? And how do you spin it to make it be like, this affects you and this affects people that you're going to be seeing if you go back to your hometown, if you go back, like this is how it's affecting you day to day. So that it sounds like you guys have, one, you've done a lot of work, which is amazing. Two, it sounds like you guys are involved in a lot of different things to kind of give you an overall experience or introduction to the dark side of politics. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but, you know, that's probably one of the best places to start. It's like working on an actual campaign and learning and, and understanding how much hard work it is to actually, you know, work for a campaign, do the do the door knocking. And I'm so eat. thankless. I know. But, uh, you know, you get is. six signatures on a 101 degree day. Good God. It, <laughs> but it's absolutely necessary because that's how we get candidates in and that's how we push for change. And so, like even said, in 2019, still yeah. door knocking is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 effective. You know, it's really easy to stand back and say we need to change this. But to understand the process that you have to go through to get new candidates eligible to run as well as seek those votes. That's so important that you guys are learning this at a young age, because I think if more young people did this, they would understand how valuable that you know, 45 seconds it takes you to walk into, you know, the ballot box and cash that piece of paper. It's a lot riding on that piece of paper. And it's really important when you know the background. And it sounds like you guys have been doing the background, the foreground, the middle ground, the <laughs> all the grounds <laughs> to do that and meeting some really fabulous people um, along the way to kind of give you guys that celebrity status exposure, which is amazing <laughs> in politics as well. It's fun. It is fun. You know, I mean, hashtag, you I'll take Obama. Like, 
like yeah but you ran into Danica Rome and that was a lot of fun because well, we kind of geeked too. out on that yeah, she, I did have a little fan moment I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> which taco did you order I got I got a little Squeal. excited I know so it's uh, it's good it's cool and you know that's a perk but at the same time I think it's also important that you take those experiences and pocket them too because you will run into those people again and it's important that you understand while it's really cool to meet them and rub elbows with them one of the best things that you can do for them and the people that are at home in your community is hold them accountable to everything they say mm-hmm. and not get blinded by the glamour. And also don't let them think that uh, <laughs> that they don't have to answer you. Yeah. Because they do. They work for you. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, you're their constituents. So yeah, it's really fun. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm. Uh, we didn't have stuff like that when I was coming up in school. No, well, maybe we can get Carter involved. <laughs> I know. They just wanted me to like, I don't even know. <laughs> Give money. When I was 18, all they did was call me to get money. And I was like, I'm 18. I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, why are you asking for donations yeah. but hey do you guys talk about why you know politicians need donations did you guys ever talk about that what do you what did you discover well it's just when we discovered public domain you can find out exactly who gave them where they live and how much how much mm-hmm. unless the they time. lied about it yes yeah yeah i found out a lot about kamala harris's donations because i'm fighting her um <laughs> but mm. we learned that it's she's got a wonderful opinion on um kamala harris so oh, i oh, might talk about go that into that in right a bit. now no. oh, not, oh. not right now <laughs> we'll get We'll get into that towards the end. Um, (laughs) Well, basically, we found out how expensive it is, one, Mm -hmm. and how that's why the trend of rich white men are Mm -hmm. keep coming in because those are people who are most affluent, obviously. Mm -hmm. So one, it's very expensive. Two, you have to know the right people. And three, even we saw with AOC's campaign video on Netflix, Knock Down the House, Mm -hmm. if you do not have enough people, and enough people with the right mindset, you're not going to win. So even though Amy Valilla was a very good candidate, she did not have as, as big of a team as AOC. She wasn't in a good area. Right. And it kind of influenced her campaign a lot. But if you have a lot of money, you can travel to different places. You can stay in different mm-hmm. places longer. You can hire more people, have better signs. So. And, and who you are and how what color you are and how people perceive you if also white, makes you more trustable <laughs> for me to give you my hard-earned money, yeah. sadly enough. Right, yeah. I feel like yeah. um, the standards that we have set for fundraising and those expectations make it almost impossible for the regular old Joe Schmo to even, be even your representative, local. even if they are the absolute most qualified. Even, even, even local. local stuff. Yeah, it's hard. You know, we have we really just need overall revamps for campaign funding because here in Richmond, you know, you've got politicians, local politicians who are beholden to the demagogues of Richmond. Yeah. Hashtag so. Dominion. Yeah. Altria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you've got, you know, McGuire yeah. Woods. Yeah, Shadow you know. government. <laughs> right. You know, so. you've got all that nonsense going on and money buys influence, buys power, and don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise Otherwise, that corporations give donations out of benevolence. No, yeah. they That's give always out of a hilarious thing to me. When I want to build this mm-hmm. uh, yeah. new thing. And that's mm-hmm. something that like I think like through Democracy Summer and just keeping up with, yeah, like seeing where people are getting their campaign funding from, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that it's an issue on like for both parties mm-hmm. because like I didn't realize when, like, well, there's lots of reasons to not like Ralph Northam. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, when, yeah, when his campaign was, like, kind of beginning and everything, just realizing that he was taking so much money from Dominion while still saying that he had, like, these high environmental standards mm-hmm. for, yeah, which turned out to be pretty much, yeah. Bullsh- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Um, funding's become a big issue for constituents, too. I'm, 
like when making calls, I've had people ask about peop- like candidates' policies on mm-hmm. campaign funding and who they will and won't accept donations from. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to hear that that's become a pretty important issue among the voters as well. Especially locally, because if you're old school Richmond, you know you're either on, you know, team. You crop. <laughs> yep. Or you're on team. Where did you get your money from? Because that's who's going to own you when you get in office. And I need to know who I'm voting for. And it's kind of split. You know, people want to know. Yeah. I'm glad they care now because they used to didn't care. Yeah. Most people just didn't even think about it. No, they didn't uh-huh. care. They just thought money, I guess, like grew. What did LeVar say it is in the seats of City Hall? Yes. Yeah, it does the not grow there. Cushions. No, it, doesn't it doesn't grow there, grow there. actually. Yeah, so I guess now we can kind of talk about the topics that you guys are now being exposed to all these different things, campaigning, you know, you said some things have come up and like cold calling for constituents and things, you know, what kind of topics are you guys watching and specify for us if it's a local or if it's a state or national um, level, but you know, what are you guys following that you guys are now the the youngest, the newest, uh, you know, voting class just got your voting rights, you know, (laughs) almost there. They're almost there, except for one, almost. But you know, almost there. Your 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 voting your voting cards, ID cards are squeaky clean. You know, what are you yep, you're just now forming your opinions. Yeah. What are you guys watching? Um, lately I've been watching uh women's reproductive rights. Okay. Because uh, I feel like that's on the forefront of a lot of like um candidates who are running in twenty twenty also. Uh-huh. And with like the climate in Alabama with the um ban and things like that. Uh-huh. So I feel like as being a woman especially, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. it's important that like we all look out for those issues. And since I've been in democracy summer, I feel like that's something that's come up a lot. Um uh-huh. that people are concerned, like do you, are you pro choice? Are you you know, things like that. So I feel like that's something that I've been uh-huh. looking into a lot lately. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I've been looking a lot at um, gun control. I just graduated from high school, and I know um, there for a lot of current students, gun control is a big deal because... Right. Because you're shooting up y'all's high schools. Exactly. And I mean, mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've watched Sandy Hook happen. We've watched Virginia Tech happen. We've watched um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas happen. Mm-hmm. And so seeing all that happen while we're in high school and going through active shooter drills mm-hmm. really puts a different perspective, I think, on our generation's academic careers, really. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I've been looking at. And even the phrasing of like candidates, they'll say they support common sense gun laws. Even looking at that, it's really interesting to see how people phrase things and um, state their issues to try to make it universally supported, but it's still such a big issue and so controversial. Yeah, because what the hell is common sense gun laws? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or clean coal. I'm sorry, that's another thing. <laughs> that too. <laughs> like what? Yeah. That was what I was going to kind of touch on with like climate change. I think that's one of the biggest issues facing like, I mean, all generations, but like yeah. especially our generation because we'll be living with the effects of it for a really long Thanks, time. Thanks, boomers. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and so that's really um, something that I've been super focused on because like we only have now less than the 12 years that the UN Climate Change Report came out with, you know, mm-hmm. to try and at least start turning things around or fixing what we can fix. And then right. Like a lot of stuff is irreversible at this point already, but um, and we have a president that doesn't believe. Yeah, it, exactly, it exactly. But it's been really interesting too with like Democracy Summer to see how like the phrasing of issues like climate change is so important because if you like do like the doom and gloom kind of thing, it's mm-hmm. like people just kind of want to crawl into a ball and never do anything. But if you like mention it and phrase it as like, well, we are running out of time, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. there is stuff that we can actively be doing. This doesn't have to be this way. Right. And so I think that's been a real 
like call to action for a lot of people in our generation. For me, for me, I feel like a little different approach, but I'm very, very interested. Like my whole entire spiel is criminalizing black and brown youth. Like I love learning about the school to prison pipeline. I like learning about colorism and police force, colorism and people who are policed over mm-hmm. police neighborhoods and how it really affects everything. It even affects climate, it affects environmental issues. It affects who's put in the media with everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me, I can relate to it most because in our school, there was a resource officer, obviously, mm-hmm. who was stopping and frisking, who was cr- trying to criminalize and over-police in our hallways. What color was he? White. He basically was criminalizing a lot of people. And for me, it was interesting because I would always think, which was wrong of me to think, but that's what the media was throwing at me, that if you're a male, if you're brown, like if you're very dark-skinned, you're going to be the one who's criminalized. But the people he was criminalizing were just black males, no matter if you're light-skinned, dark-skinned. Yeah. And the one he criminalized the most was very light, had like almost reddish hair. He was like big, but he was still black in the officer's eyes. Mm -hmm. And for me, that made me realize like you can look like you and be black and still be, you know, you're going to jail. Mm -hmm. So that really Oh, white supremacy is one drop. Yeah, Yeah. it's one drop of just hate all around. If you're not white, then they're probably gonna be like, okay, you're black and you're coming with me. So learning about that and seeing it in front of my eyes being like, oh, you don't have to be dark skinned to go to jail, basically. Which I should have never thought in the first place, but that's what the media throws at you. Right. And being black and being light skinned, it was weird to see it thrown in my face like why were you thinking like this about your own people? Mm-hmm. But being able to turn it around and colorism. being able to apply it. Yeah, colorism is a huge thing. But being able to apply it to like all these different issues in government that do trickle down and affect the black and brown people mm-hmm. that are the ones being hurt by it the most. Yeah. Like climate change, the most pe- yeah. the areas that are the worst off are black and brown communities. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And they're being blamed for it in turn. So that's yeah. like my height of interest. Like environmental justice is like such a huge thing. Even like in Richmond, in the Churchill and like Jackson Ward area, like that's become a huge thing because Dominion is destroying those communities and Uh making it harder for them to just live their everyday lives Uh and I think that's something that we've talked about a lot in Democracy Summer too like in things just like from immigration issues to like climate change and like women's reproductive rights and all of that learning about how like people of color are disproportionately affected by the worst of those issues has been really eye-opening for me because it's not just a single thing at all it it is Uh -uh. such a so woven into the fabric of our country and all of the issues that we have really so Hashtag capitalism. The, <laughs> our, the show that we just uh, re-aired actually was a repeat that we did with a student from VCU who actually covered health statistics across all of our districts in the city. And it's very telling where you've got concentrations of poverty and concentrations of black and brown people that they're sicker <laughs> and they have less resources and less access to different things and it shows in their reporting when you're talking about who's got high blood pressure and who's got lowest life expectancy uh, Mm -hmm. cigarette smoking COPD um, and different things yeah so it's very interesting but it's and it's facts and people don't think about that I mean how do you expect me to be healthy if I live in a neighborhood that has no grass no trees Mm -hmm. all concrete no insulation in my building which are made out of cinder blocks. In the wintertime, there's a heat crisis. And in the summertime, there's a heat crisis. (laughs) Right? Uh And so what do I do? You know, and but you expect me to, I don't barely have transportation. And then you bring all of these shiny new projects into Richmond and I can't even get to them to get a job. And then when I get there, you don't want me to work there anyway, because you want to keep it squeaky clean for certain groups of people. So it's like a continual cycle of F you. 
basically. Yeah. yeah. Richmond is a, a little reflection of the country at large. Mm-hmm. How are y'all doing living in a post-factual world? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, we are in a fake news-driven society yeah. right now. What do you guys do to figure out um, what's real and what's not? You have to really, like, look at different sources to, like, sort of look at the left and the right and sort of find that middle ground and mm-hmm. sort of make that determination of what's fact and what's fiction mm. because it's so hard to find, like, quality information. Yeah. Like, even, like, just, like, basic information that's nonpartisan at all. I know, like, we were looking at GovTrack for one of the bills we were looking at, and they said they hadn't voted on it and then we come to the hill and then we figure out oh this is already passed through committee and then we're sitting here looking like yep uh, trying to find it it's gone already been through yeah yeah and sort of like the transparency and like the way we relay information and how upfront we are about it as a government mm-hmm. is sort of it needs a lot of improvement mm-hmm. i feel like it's interesting now because um on twitter i'm very active on twitter mm-hmm. um and ever since we graduated high school a lot of people just have big mouths well they always had big mouths anyway but now they're willing to put it online where it is forever mm-hmm. where it stays forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to see how even if you tweet something it could be like five words when they tweet back at you or even talking they'll omit a word or they'll change the word and it's almost as if no matter what you say no one's going to be listening because they're so focused on i have to prove them wrong because they're so in their head like they're so liberal they're so this they're so black lives matter Mm. they don't listen to what you actually say and i feel like i could say the sky is blue and if i'm talking to someone like from my high school Mm -hmm. they would immediately come back with no it's not it's green where'd you even get that information from wow so it's very it's very telling when you tweet something or you're talking to someone with basic information, partisan or not partisan, uh. and to see them like twist every single word you say because they're so bent on not agreeing with you, no matter what uh. the subject is. Just for the sake of not agreeing. Just for the sake of not agreeing with you. We, we've got a, a, a topic right now that's in the news. I don't know if you guys have been following it. Trump has been p- kind of picking on Baltimore. Have you guys been I following that? Right. Did you guys hear now, somebody laid it out to a couple sta- a couple media sources kind of laid out where all of this is coming yeah, from? His, um, Um, Jerry Kushner. Yeah, so basically what's happened for the past couple of days, Trump has been saying, well, we actually had a guy, bless his heart, he cried on I saw that. Air. I, saw I yeah. said it to her I this morning. That. It's really rough. It's, it's, bless him. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm from Baltimore and, you know, we're not, it's, you know, an infested, yeah, but, yeah. you know, area. And he went through and talked about all of the different places that Trump had said were infested and they were all black and brown, br- black and brown, brown communities, communities yeah. countries, the things like that. And so maybe later that evening, not six hours later, Fox does a special and they're talking about and there's this young woman this young black woman because not all skin folk is kin folk <laughs> and she's on there and she's being deemed as this Republican you know advisor but she hasn't worked for a campaign anywhere and she's doing all these reports from information she's gathered and she's only showing particular wards in Baltimore that are like boarded up that are definitely like in need of of a lot of assistance but there's lots of places also in Baltimore that are fluent and are fine and are full of black people too and thriving that's where I'm going to college exactly (laughs) right and so it's kind of like but this girl's not reporting that she's only reporting about those things and so Trump's sees this and talks about and she's challenging Elijah Cummings on things that he could be doing or that she thinks he should be doing for the city so on and so forth and so Trump sees this and he's like boom attack Elijah Cummings yeah and then it continues and nobody everybody's like what kind like where are these psychopathic things coming from but nobody's thinking oh my gosh look at the media source look at the media source that he loves and looks at he's been following Fox News and looking at these 
which is ironic, fake news stories <laughs> about a particular place thing, you know, by a person of color, which is done on purpose and intentionally for a reason. And then we have this bevy of tweets that have come out between last night, midnight, and throughout the day today. I mean, I, so I'm saying I'm on Twitter now. He's, apparently he's having a meltdown, but whatever. <laughs> you know, but that's literally how important media is. And we have the person who's occupying the White House right now looking at a media source that may or may not, I'm going to be fair, may or may not be producing accurate truths and facts. And and he's leading from fake news. And that's wild because a lot of people listen to what he says. And then that's a continuation of misinformation. Yeah. Do y'all run into uh, folks that you've been to school with that have this information, live by this misinformation? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Well, I just like to put a disclaimer. Talking to your friends and listening to your family is not reliable information. Uh-huh. Opinions are not factual. I love and that's that. what a lot of people think. And the Twitter thread, like a guy was like, where'd you get your information from? I've supplied articles, screenshots of Republican representatives going mm-hmm. against Trump and everything. Mm-hmm. No response afterwards. No response. Of course. But no, I'm, that's when they start calling you nasty words. Yeah, they're like, well, you're just a uppity. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, people it's uppity. This is out of control. Uppity. We went to a very 1965 high school. <laughs> no, I swear not, it's like a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, honestly. Yeah. Uppity. Uppity. Are you, su- are you surprised? <laughs> Are you surprised? I just I didn't even know that was in the vocabulary at this point. I got I'm going to be honest. Since the 10th grade of my high school, I reported maybe 37 people to the principal's office because I was called a nigger every single <gasps> month in class. Oh no! It Excuse just, me. It comes yes. so quick. It comes so naturally. It's views. And then and then they want to say, but it's rappers say it, so I'm not. You know the whole. Okay, spiel, we'll so. catch these hands and feet and see if the rapper saves you. <laughs> no, honestly. Excuse honestly, me. Though. What? Yeah. So that's the kind of climate that we're in. So when people when we're on Twitter and we're, we're we run um, a club for diversity at our school, uh-huh. that's when a lot of the heat came. Yeah. A lot of people were like, "What are these black people girls doing on stage?" Yeah, people don't like change and. No. Even people if, don't like culture. No, like that. Uh, honestly, they want to steal it. They don't want uh, exactly. it. Exactly. All they, they wanna, do is make fun of it, and yeah. then until they until it's trendy for right. them. Well, they want to assimilate it and they want to emulate it but you can't celebrate it in a certain way because then that makes it different yeah Yeah. it it has to be worn by them my dad always told me ever since i was little like everyone is going to try and be black until it's time to be right so everyone wants to change their hair rap music everyone wants to be like black lives matter let's do this but then the second uh, predicament comes up and it's you or them you're under the bus and it's happened to me and i've always been surprised i don't know why i was surprised now i'm not going to be but before (laughs) i was like man my dad was right (laughs) yeah yeah. I think um, a lot of people kind of gravitate to what's more, like, what's most convenient for mm-hmm. them to believe and, like, what's most aligned with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like that saying, ignorance is bliss. I think <laughs> in this day and age, like, a lot of people just choose to not make the effort to find out what's actually the truth. Yeah. And they just choose to believe whatever is easiest and whatever will take the least amount of effort to believe is true. And it's That's, it's so uh, yeah. aggravating when you know that it's wrong and that it's absolutely inaccurate and people just refuse to change their beliefs <laughs> because they know that, yes. you know, 
it's the truth does not it doesn't matter align with what they think is true. I'm 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 recalling the there's a guy who did some interviews with uh, different people at a Trump rally and there's a guy with the Trump hat on I'm sure you guys have probably seen the clip and he says you know what do you think should have been done about 9-11 and he says well Obama was out golfing too much and he was out like just doing too much stuff and he really should have been in I don't understand what he was doing and the guy said well you know why wasn't he in the Oval Office during 9-11 like what what should he have done and he said I don't know but I'm gonna look into it and it's like you ain't got a calendar (laughs) even the president like what do you mean and it's like somebody fell into a rift in the space-time continuum but that's it like I mean that's it it's like I would I don't even care what the truth is this is what I heard somebody say or repeat and that sounds pretty good to me or some bot online showed this meme yeah that they made themselves you know over in Moscow and just repeated it over and over thanks Ivan (laughs) you know no one wants to be challenged like people who have that mindset like don't want to be challenged they don't want to hear like what um, Andriana was saying they don't want to hear what's right and kind of what Neela Bonet was saying like you can provide as many articles facts numbers Mm -hmm. numbers is where they're they always want to go back to numbers Mm -hmm. so when you bring up numbers that are in your favor and they're proving your point they still don't want to listen all all the truth can be right there right in front of their face Mm -hmm. and they still choose to like just be close-minded and even then it's not even that it's not even that they they because everyone doesn't want to be called like racist the word that's the biggest the biggest insult you can give out but people who don't understand that i'm gonna say the n-word is probably bigger than that but okay yeah but like (laughs) no one wants to be called at least white people or even people who aren't black or Mm -hmm. the minority that minority group no one wants to be called a racist because that's like the biggest thing but people who don't understand that racism is not just putting on a white hood it's institutionalized it's even where you sit at the table it's everything Mm -hmm. people who don't realize that are the people who are like why are you calling me a racist well you never said the word well you never imply that you just said this is what you said was discriminatory Mm -hmm. or it maybe it was insensitive towards me in Mm -hmm. my minority group Mm -hmm. but even if like we you're unaware yeah Yeah. if you're just ignorant which is not wrong you can be ignorant about so many things but once I've told once you've been made aware now it's on you yeah, yeah now it's, it's your responsibility it's on you now yeah. I mean, even, and like, like in this day and age it's like we have the internet there are so many ways to get educated yourself <laughs> yeah. like i don't even know like i think like obviously everyone's not going to know the right thing to say automatically but right. it's like you don't really have that much of an excuse to be so ignorant to like obviously like say the n-word just, or like yeah. even like smaller things than mm-hmm. that like i don't know so i mean yeah. You would think. And look yeah, at President Obama and the birther movement mm, and people mm, insisting mm. he was not born in the U.S. And then, I mean, you look at Ted Cruz, who was born in Canada. Yeah. And, I mean, it was... Nobody un- cared. cared. No, no one cared, but people went to great lengths to try to prove that, huh? you know, President Obama was Obama not American. Obama was a Muslim. People, he was people will swear everything. that it has nothing to do with the fact that he's brown. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why they're targeting him. It's not because he's they liberal or Democrat. Exactly. Like, they, that's where they get you. They get you where, like... Mm-hmm. like um, kind of what we were talking about earlier where a lot of times uh, people will try to um, mock black culture. It's black people can't take their blackness off. Mm-hmm. So that's where they hit you first is. It's so, I always tell the story. When I was in little, when I was like in lower school, my mom gave me like the cornrow, but they they hang in the back with the beads. Uh-huh. And I thought it was the best. I was like, I'm <laughs> classic, about to kill Classic little black girl. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. about to kill him at school, whatever. <laughs> and literally like a whole group of white girls just came back from the cruise or whatever they were at. Had with the beads. same hairstyle. Yep. I said, <laughs> 
<laughs> I literally was just like, this isn't fair. Right. Because I'm going to get made fun of and people are going to pull my braids yep. and people are going to be like, wow, you look beautiful to them. But, yeah, to them. Yeah. And they can just take it out it. whilst the hair will be straight again. They'll never have to worry about it. Right. But that's a, I mean, but again, a lot of this, I think what you guys, nobody said that word yet, but a lot of some of the problems derived that we've been talking about derive from an ignorance to privilege. Yeah. Oh, yes. And so I have the privilege to not Google and not find the truth and not care what the truth is yeah. because I'm not getting. I hold to that standard. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in power, like yeah. you know, white people in general have yeah. just been in power for so long. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it's like, why oh. should I take the time to do it if it's not really going to affect me? Yeah. And white I don't people have the privilege like, to make up facts. Right. Like make history. Up like history. Make up history. Yeah. The Bowling Green Massacre, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can just make up, you know, oh and it's it's God. one of those things where. Shout out to Pennywise Conway. Right. <laughs> like, if you don't know, it, it's so ingrained in the way that our society has been educated to think. I mean, down to the textbooks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so if you... I had a textbook in Chesterfield County Schools. They called um, the Civil War the War of Northern Aggression. Good God Almighty, Will I can. Milo talks about it all the time. Yeah. He's in our um, summer pack. Hi, Will. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if when you've been, when you're graced, and there's privilege of, of all types. So you were kind of talking about it earlier with colorism and light skin privilege. We have a privilege, too, in a certain way. But, you know, white privilege is something that is so deeply ingrained in our society in capitalism in everything that you know just affects life that it takes for someone it takes for a white person to really really be okay with themselves to even have that conversation and listen to understand what it is because the first the automatic response is a feeling of guilt when that's not always what it should be you don't have to feel guilty for having Mm -hmm. privilege just understand what it is and how to navigate because without using your privilege to hurt someone right right because i think like the guilt thing Although it's like, I think it's important. And like, I think that's a very natural thing that people go to uh-huh. when you like actually start to understand like the fuller picture of just our country's history in general. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and how like being white has always given you such a leg up in so many ways. Uh-huh. Um, but I think obviously that's not even... I think where I've come around on the whole guilt thing is that that's not helping anyone. That's just like giving you a chance to just sit and like feel guilty. You're not doing anything to make the like future or present day better. falling back on your privilege, honey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's just almost an excuse to be like, oh, I'm so sorry without ever doing anything. (laughs) And that's not, yeah, that's not helping any of those communities. What can I do to make it, what can I do to make it better? You just kind of look like an (laughs) asshole. That's like all you're doing. You are listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIR LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Don't touch my pride. They say the glory is all mine. Don't test my mind. They say the truth is. Sound. They don't understand what it means to me Where we chose to go, where we meant to go They don't understand what it means to me Where we chose to go 
And so I think that's like something that definitely um, for me personally, I've sort of like realized it's just like that's not helping anyone. Right. Actually doing something can yeah. help people. And, but I think a big part of that is to just like not just doing what you think is the, as a white person, like doing what you think is the right thing to yeah. do. It's actually listening uh-huh. to people from those communities and trying to hear what they actually need instead of just imposing in what you think is yep. like we love white to, not nonprofits. <laughs> yeah, we love to tell white women to sit down and shut up and uh, listen. Hello. <laughs> like, because no. I feel like that's my job yeah. as a white woman mm-hmm. is to tell you to, and as an ally. to yeah. shut up and take listen. My shut the and hell stop, up. Stop with this whole, oh, but I'm a woman, so when we get equal pay, it's okay. I'm going to reach back. I'm going to grab you. You ain't reaching back for <laughs> No, 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 no. We need to be shoulder to shoulder well, that's why intersectional feminism is right. so important because mm-hmm. white feminism isn't helping anyone. Oh, Lord. It's just like, <laughs> it's still keeping a whole group of people oppressed. And if the goal is to try and lift everyone up, then like you're not actually accomplishing the goal if you're just doing white feminism. Right. Oh, like sure it's, just, it's just true. Like, and we don't, we and don't we, even, after 2016, uh, we can't even trust that because y'all will tell us one thing and go vote for mm, some totally fine else. No, the we fact all that be up. women crazy. voted more for Trump than they did for Hillary is like still. I, I'm saying. Oh, it is serious. All skin folk brain. and kin folk. My y'all soul, Exactly. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. saying, but, and also we need to um, be there shoulder to shoulder with our trans sisters too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. this they're getting, black trans women are getting killed in droves. Murdered. And, also, and nobody's saying anything. Nobody's saying nothing. And then also, you know, trans folks who want to serve our country are getting discriminated against. Why? Why? It's not, they can still take a hormone <laughs> while serving. Thank you very much. Like, it, it uh, blows my mind. So, I'm, I'm 40. Growing up, I had so much hope for the future. Mm-hmm. I was happy to, sh- as a child, to shed the Reagan and, you know, H.W. <laughs> Bush days. And, like, I really had all this hope. And then Obama came in. I'm like, yes, you know, we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then the letdown. Mm-hmm. That's the other. I feel like that's another. I'm going to talk about Kamala now. Do it. it yes, that was that kind of that but, time. Um, a lot of people are thinking, a lot of people thought, well, Obama's black. Like, we're finally moving into, like, a good position. Mm-hmm. But just was be- over. Yeah, yep. but here's the thing. Oh, post-racial society. Yeah. Post-facts, like, post-racial, here we go. Even now, people are, like, my like some of my family, for instance, they're voting for Joe Biden because they think he's closest to Obama, he's going to bring us back. Yeah. Or black women are supporting Bye. Kamala Harris because they're like, she's black, like, this will help us. But I've sat down with the facts <laughs> with some members of my family. I'm like, huh? yes, she took money from Trump. I was like, the member of my family was saying, well, she took money from Trump, but it wasn't during this time. Like, it wasn't when he was president. I said, yes, he identified as Democrat when she took the money from him, but he was right. also a racist businessman. He was ruining lives. Uh-huh. He was still a predator to woman. He uh-huh. was still an all-around bad guy. Doesn't Central matter Park he was five who? Yeah, yeah exactly. he literally called black and brown kids animals in the been, newspaper and he tried to get them the death penalty like he was trying so hard it didn't even involve him but he inserted himself in the situation and trying to like pinpoint how she put pregnant women in jail for parking tickets did all these things to criminalize black youth in, black youth in school uh-huh. increase certain bills to help the school to prison pipeline advance in a way and it seems like no one looks at when your own people hurt you people want to put it aside the ignorance is bliss people want to say oh. let's not worry about it because she's like she's a black woman like black. she's not doing it to hurt us people but are looking. Is. People are looking because I, I I get um 
punched in the in the Twitter mouth all the time for saying it. And I'm like, you know, just because she's black, like, can we work these things out? Like, I know y'all are like Team Camilla because she's a black woman and that's cool, you know. However, this is the time that we need to be punching holes mm-hmm. in these promises made, not just her, but everybody. Because the, the pool is so big and... You know, yes, we understand, you know, that she's a prosecutor and all these things, but like we need to figure out where she stands on some of these places. Just like if she can go back and she can pull what Biden <laughs> did 30 years ago. Well, let's talk about what you did 10 years ago, you know, because we and it doesn't mean you hashtag getting canceled. We're just trying to figure out where exactly it is you stand because your actions may not line up with what you might be saying today. Today, she bust out almost like, you know, I'm a forgive student debt for anybody got a Pell Grant. Camilla, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a Pell Grant, boo. Yeah, you're and she's already, also you're very getting... disrespectful because I remember, maybe it was last month, the video of her, like her cousin or her niece put a video of her wearing the pride jacket, the sparkly pride jacket, speaking yes. of pride. And people were saying, do you know what she said about trans? Like, do you mm-hmm. know what she said about those communities? It's so disrespectful mm-hmm. for her to punch you in the face. And then... And she's in California. Pre- yeah, and then, yeah. exactly. And then when it's time to be president, she's like, I love trans. I love the gay. I'm I going love, to pride. I'm going yeah. to pride. I'm speaking to these people who I've literally tried to criminalize. Wearing an overly expensive... It's to like, me, it's the same it. as someone like calling me a nigger and then listening to Twenty One Savage. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's not fair to have support one way just so you can get the leg up and you can assimilate to a culture that you have beat down in so many ways. And I, so now I'll come in as a devil's advocate because this is part of the problem with our politics. Because and we talk about this all the time, especially locally. If you expect to be black and be a successful politician, you can't be a black politician. And I don't mean in color. I mean, in policy, you cannot be a long term, successful career politician and be black policy driven because you will be a fast one term politician. And that's it. If you're a black policy driven politician, you can guarantee you're not going to get reelected because we have not gotten to that point in our society yet. And so that is the exact culture that creates black politicians that will make promises during campaigns that will share their stories of blackness when it's convenient when it's convenient when it's convenient that will wear their hair in a certain way when it's convenient well her hair is straight so I don't want to hear anything about her uh-huh. <laughs> not, not her but I mean like you know you will have you will have people of color mixed race whatever and they will pop up at you know, certain things where they're looking or they know certain demographics are going to be there when I'm running for campaign. And I want to make sure that they see how black I am, even though I don't want to be black the rest of maybe the other 325 days of the year. I'm just going to pick these handful here when I'm going to be a black woman or a black man. And so I'm going to wear my hair a certain way. I'm going to give you a dap when I see you out. And, you know, or you know, and it's like that's the kind of stuff that creates many of the monsters that we have in politics that are black and that don't stand up for black policies because they want to be successful career politicians and they they just don't want to risk being the black that black candidate and that's what happens and i hate it i really do but i understand the demon that created these people because you know they've been told in order to make it you can't be you just got to be like a little bit black 
You just got to be black enough. Black, black enough. enough to yep. get the black vote yeah. on as, election day. As soon as they see that you're a black person. That's it. Like, But the other hand is like when even if you're not going to be a career politician, I feel like one term in like one session in Congress. I don't know the mm-hmm. terminology. I really don't yeah. like the logistics of the whole thing. I got you. But one term or session or whatever it's called in Congress being pro-black and brown and putting bills out there and passing them mm-hmm. while you're there instead of being there for 26 years. And I not like doing does, nothing. That takes feel, courage. Yeah. It, yeah I mean, it like, takes courage mm-hmm. and people aren't going to like you. But I mean, if you're truly black and you realize your identity in the first place, you, no one's going to like you in the first like, place. Like we're sending anyway. you, we're sending you to the Hill. We're sending you to vote on these bills and put mm-hmm. things in the law to get work done. Or just and, draw them out. Right, we don't, exactly. we don't even, you know, we don't even want to guarantee that they're going to pass. We just want you to present them on the floor because if you can just get it presented, now you've laid the legwork for someone behind you, okay. maybe another one termer to come in and make that bill better and find the, do the rest of the legwork to make it work. But again, that I, I totally understand. And I feel like it's time for us to get some one term people in. Well, it's hard to be those uh, people like that because we've got mm-hmm. electeds like the squad who do those sort of things. They are of color. Mm-hmm. They are women and they're putting out progressive policies. That, and now they have a target on and the now they have a huge target. Yeah, when we went and saw it, when we went up to like Capitol Hill the other day, mm-hmm. we like were outside of AOC's office and she had like two police officers. Like, I think they were probably there like all the time. Security. Just like security. Yeah. yeah just like well, waiting outside. Just recently, like um, there was an article saying how like a police officer from some state was saying how like she like she, basically she deserved to be shot. So it's. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, well, she do, gets she gets labeled all the time as like you know super super left socialist and like yeah she does sometimes I yeah like identify as as a socialist but it's like seen as such a bad word and so it's like on Fox News especially like just painted as like the worst person in the world trying to like get these policies across and like I mean but the thing is though is that she's representing her constituency so well like she's representing like Brooklyn and like that area like incredibly well and so it's like you I don't know what it's supposed to take to actually just have someone who's doing what their constituents want and people not get mad about it. Like, mm-hmm. It's also refreshing to see someone who actually is going to adhere to their values once elected because you have so many people who make these grand promises when they're running and then as mm-hmm. soon as they get elected, they back off and they mm-hmm. just become timid and they're not willing to actually fight for what they ran on, which is really doing their constituents a disservice because they're not fulfilling their promises when they were running. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but, you know, then you've even got to wonder, you know, how devoted are they to their beliefs? And so I think that's also something to be watching this election talking about Kamala Harris, you know, and looking at what she did during her time as attorney general and just looking at all these people who have experience in elected positions and seeing what they did once they were put in office. Like, did they actually adhere to what they ran on or did they end up kind of shifting their values as soon as they were elected for the sake of convenience or even like what drives me crazy is compromise. That's a big one too. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, I don't know, right? I mean, I'd be interested to hear more about like what other people have to say about it. But like, I personally don't know like what candidate of like the, I don't know, it feels like 20 people. It is like like, 24. Yeah, that are running right now for the Democrats, like who actually would be able to do this and do this well? Because the only thing about like, I mean, it's- Apparently you don't have to do either of those things. Well, true, true. But like just who's even (laughs) like, it's such, it seems like some Sometimes we get into the conversation of who's electable versus like who's going to actually do the policies that a lot of people that are like young people especially like want to see done and are really urgent, especially on things like climate change. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's it's really tough because like I see like 
Pete, I, like Mayor Pete, I think mm-hmm. he could maybe do a good job. But like, I don't, yeah, I mean. That is really hard because you've kind of got to evaluate what's most important to you because the person who's most electable might not be the person who you think is maybe the candidate with the most integrity. And so sometimes it's kind of hard because like mm-hmm. you've got to decide what's more important to you. You know, do you want to support the person who you feel like has the best chance of being put in office? Is that more important than choosing the candidate who really you think is going to be able to hold well, true to their yeah. values? Now we, yeah, get, now like, we get to the nitty gritty of politics. Who, yeah, this is I'm politics sure. right here. But like probably most people that are running the Democrat side have more integrity than Donald Trump. So right. it's like, you know, w- would you rather have Donald Trump again and run someone who has these more progressive policies or right. do you want to run more of a moderate? Honestly, sometimes it seems like just like the white guy normal candidate whatever uh-huh. who might be able to win but like Another this jar of mayonnaise uh, and this <laughs> is the this is the thing like you know this is now this is politics when you're talking about what you know what what's really important we watched ourselves fall victim to having our elections tampered with and tinkered with and so now you're looking at what's more important is it having someone that can compete with Donald Trump to get him out or is it having somebody that can put through the policies like you said and part of that problem is that's where campaign finance and capitalism and all these other things drive home why people run for office, who they are, where they came from, what they stand for, and why did they get chosen? I hear a lot, though. A lot of older people kind of blame us. Like, Mm -hmm. when I express my distaste for some of the candidates, example, Uh Kamala Harris, I hear all the time, well, if you like, why, if you don't vote, like if it's her, Donald Trump, and you don't vote, then you're not doing your job as a voter. And I always explain, like, I'm not going to vote for someone who I feel is equally as bad. And it is my job as a voter to choose whether to vote or to not. But me not voting isn't going to elect Donald Trump. I feel like if I don't vote, my vote's not there. I'm actually going to disagree with you. And I... No, please. I Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think this is like a really contentious issue because it is it gets to the point where like if you have Mm -hmm. a candidate who you can't really support like is it better to just not vote at all and I mean I feel like it that came into play a lot in the 2016 election. A Bingo. lot of people were saying, you know, a lot of Democrats either really supported Bernie Sanders and did not want to support Hillary Clinton. So they did when not the go to the polls. And they did not go to the polls. And we ended up with Donald Trump. And it, you know, there is no doubt that Hillary Clinton had her flaws. Mm-hmm. But I also think there is equally, you know, no doubt that she would have done an infinitely better job as president than right. Donald Trump. And so if, you know, it comes down to being versus, you know, Kamala Harris versus Donald Trump, there's no doubt in my mind that you know I would vote for Kamala Harris Mm -hmm. I would encourage everyone I know to vote for her because even though she again her career path has its um, flaws and she's made questionable decisions in the positions she's held Mm -hmm. she's also she's a very strong person she's outspoken she's what she's saying it i know it doesn't always end up holding true but she's you know she's not donald trump she's not donald trump and i i'm (laughs) confident that if she were to be president she would do such a better job and propel the democratic party in ways that you know he would equally set it back well tell me what you think about like i'm gonna tell me what you think about what i say so i feel as though because she's someone who is supposed to represent my community my demographic i would feel 
feels. Well, who said that? Let me let me stop you right supposed, there. Supposedly, who said that? Because she hasn't said that. And my, see, that's, that's what I'm the saying. Thing. Then here comes like family pressure, family influence. So my family right. and black women in my family are saying, "You have a black woman running for president. Why aren't you not? Why aren't you going to vote for her?" But I feel like because I know that I looked up her history and I'm more informed about her than they are because they just want to give their vote to a black woman. I just want to uh-huh. give my vote to someone who I feel I can I can say I support you. Yeah. And I do not like half-ass support in any of the slightest. Now here, but here now here's the thing. So now this is where you get into what you guys have been doing over the summer with mm-hmm. campaign, and a lot of this comes down to strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so this is the time right now for you to voice that stuff out now because this is when we have the opportunity to not have her be on the block with Donald Trump if if you feel strongly enough about that right mm-hmm. this is the time to put that out now if she is picked or whoever it is that's picked and we have issues with their policy and so on and so forth now it's about strategy and we talk about this a lot with local races when you have people running for the same office and especially in small races like this and local even with uh, state elections and you have an outsider or someone else that just decides they want to run as well for the seat in a primary or they decide they're going to run as an independent because they didn't get the nomination from the party you're effectively splitting the vote and so at the end of the day in that particular instance at the end of the day when we have one candidate versus another every vote matters and the absence of a vote is the is a vote that yeah. we don't have and so then it becomes purely about strategy and so that's when you make the vote that you make and you just have to say your Hail Marys because at that point for every person that said and that's basically what we got even though she won the popular vote there were scores of people who just did not go out to vote because they felt so uncomfortable with Hillary and she's not perfect of course she's not but I think we would have been in a much different place if we had her right now and we didn't have the Cheeto in chief yeah <laughs> that's that's why I like wanted you to disagree because I know I stopped a girl like politically and separating yeah. I know how I you feel you're like I don't want to vote for this girl yeah. because she's not and I get it and, and if if our democracy was working as ideally as it should, should be, right? Then that's like you a very good and like I don't know morally just position. And like I don't think we should we shouldn't be in a place where we have to sacrifice that. And I hope that like whoever mm-hmm. our candidate is will be someone where we don't feel like we're having to do that. But right. like what really pissed me off in the 2016 election was that people were like, yes, and obviously Hillary Clinton was not at all a perfect person, a perfect candidate. Whatever. Nobody's gonna be. Let's but just again, put that out everyone, there everyone is everyone is a human being. Like everybody right. has their issues and like obviously varying degrees but like when people were like the lesser of the two evils whole thing <laughs> I didn't, like I didn't that. yeah I didn't I like didn't people feel like said it was that evil because almost. also like I mean her and Donald Trump like I think we all can agree that she would have done a much better job and right. he's like genuinely kind of evil and she's <laughs> a kind of he is um, but like mm-hmm. you know it's I yeah I think I agree like we would obviously be in a much better place mm-hmm. if she was president yeah. right now and like if we do my that's my biggest concern with having so many Democratic primary candidates right now is that like if we separate and fracture as we did in with like Bernie and Hillary like we're just gonna lose and then you get four more years and who even knows how much longer after those four and that years, happens if he's this crazy like how long it's gonna be so. and that's strategy that's where strategy comes in so now that's the second half that I hope you guys and by all means don't let what I just said influence you to do something you don't want to do but what I want you to just think about all of you guys is that when, as we come across these things and you guys are working on campaigns and thinking about that you know nobody is perfect that's true but once we get to the bitter end it's strategy and that's a lot of what you guys are doing 
you know, it's a tried and true strategy, getting people signatures and knocking on doors. That's the, that, those are the grassroots pieces. When we get to the ballot booth, that's strategy too. And so we've just always got to be, I hate that we have to do that. Like you said, and sacrifice sometimes what we feel. And I'm the big voter registration advocate and voter rights advocate. That's me. And so I understand. And I, I'm, my vote, there's nothing more important to me than my vote. Um, people died in the streets for me to be able to vote. I don't take that lightly. And so I always go. My great grandmother was 100 when she died. And every primary, every general election, she went until she died. Yeah, I always say that um, nobody can tell me what to do, but the one thing that I have to do is vote. Is vote. For me, personally, I don't feel complete if I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, And for me, though, I am a pragmatist. Mm-hmm. Always. That is how I vote. What is the most practical approach? What is my most practical strategy? And right now. Yeah, President, we can't play around with it because we've already we seen play how, this time. how they're playing. But now, you know, if you're voting for your city council person and you think Woo! that there's somebody else that should be better. I mean, I write myself in all the time. <laughs> yep. I know. In your locals, feel free yeah. to write in you know. whoever you choose. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up. But um, before we go, is there anything anybody wants to say? Any message you want to get out there that you didn't get a chance to say? If you are 17 and a half and are going to turn 18 by the next election. You can actually still register to vote. That's it. Um, so do that, please. <laughs> it's really important. Um, and like, hopefully, like, yeah, like get people to come to your high school and help you to register. It's really easy. It takes like two minutes I know like uh I'm trying to think about. You can register at the post office. You can register online. You can register at your school. You can register at a front um, grocery store. Some days. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, you can. It takes nothing to do it. If you need an ID, you can now be provided a free ID in order to gain your voter ID if you need one. And you can actually get those. Um, if you're here in Richmond, you can get the application, everything that you need at City Hall. There's even places where you can get rides for free. There is absolutely no reason why you can't get what you need. If you need help with those services, hit us on all platforms at RVA Dirt. I'll send the information out so we can get that out. And also, even if you're not of voting age yet, don't let people tell you that you can't have a political opinion. That's it. Or a stance. That's unacceptable. Foster it now mm-hmm. so that you're more prepared when you step out of your parents' house because mm-hmm. I wasn't. Y'all have a lot more access to all yeah. of this than I did. So I have the know. Google. Yes, you have the Google. You <laughs> Utilize it. I mean, seriously, there's no excuse these days for not being informed, right? Also, I'd say on top of that, like, pay attention to the Democratic debates. They're going on right now, and I think they're a great way to learn about candidates' characters and the nuances in their positions that you might not learn by just looking at their voting record. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important, you know, like two nights now, but yes. still, you know, it's entertaining if nothing else. Oh, it's that. Does anybody have any social media contacts you want to throw out there? Where to follow we y'all up? if you're interested? Yes. I would like to say never be a afraid to be told that you're wrong and like today I learned very I learned like <laughs> I should try probably try and grow and separate those two but it still is hard for me yeah but um also just really be informed and always fight for people who don't look like you because they matter too yep. um and they are in the same boat as you and follow me on Twitter my Twitter <laughs> is NBC underscore 3170 and like as in Nala from the Lion King. So. Okay. Anybody else? I don't have social media. So. <laughs> Lucky you. Can follow me on Instagram at Maeve.Hall. 
All right. You can All follow right. me on Twitter at AngelRather11. All right. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at MJ3IsLit. Yep. <laughs> Lit. <laughs> Easy. All right. Well, we thank you guys for coming out today. We really appreciate thank y'all. Thank you all so much. Seriously, thank don't sleep on these. Doing. This is uh, your future leaders, y'all. Yes. Seriously. Yes. And this we're really so exciting. proud to have you guys here. Thank you thank so much you. for thank coming you for and sharing you. your thoughts. Yes. Keep up the good work. Keep fighting. Don't let them hold you back. And you better go vote. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. Good, good. Well, thank y'all for listening. As always, Flint still has dirty water. RPS is fully funded, but we need to get that funded for next year, though. And Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to you next week. Tune in next week for another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIR LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Click, 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 click